0: Hi, welcome to Herbal Wisdom. Thanks for tuning in and listening again. I'm Chris Vaughn, certified clinical herbalist and owner and program director of Herbal Wisdom Institute, which is an herbalism school in Prescott Valley, Arizona. And, you know, I really love how herbal medicine, or you could call it botanical medicine, can really be practiced in so many different ways. And we have such a diverse community of herbal medicine practitioners, um, traditional herbalists, medicine women, and even naturopathic physicians who are focused in botanical medicine, um, and the wonderful ways that they are really changing their community. And so one of the ways that I decided to really celebrate this was by co-hosting with Bella Donna, a friend of mine, the Southwest Herb Fest which will be a one day herbal conference to be held in the cool pines of Prescott, Arizona. And that's gonna be happening on Saturday, May 19th, 2018. And I'm really happy to say that today on Herbal Wisdom, we have Dr. Katie Stage with us. She is a licensed naturopathic physician and a registered herbalist. Her naturopathic practice focuses on women's medicine, gastrointestinal diseases, and mental health. Dr. Sage graduated with honors from the Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine in Tempe, Arizona, and she currently serves as the Division Director of Therapeutics and Chair of Special Populations at SCNM. She's also Faculty Senate President, and I'm really excited because she's going to be one of the speakers at the Southwest Herb Fest, where she will be talking about PMS and PMDD, So, Dr. Stage, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for coming on Herbal Wisdom. You're welcome. I'm really glad that you're here, and I'm really glad that you're going to be part of the Southwest Herb Fest. I think that you have a lot to offer people who are going to come to that event, um, especially with this topic, PMS and PMDD. So, could you tell us a little bit uh, about uh, the symptoms of PMS and of that way, if somebody's listening who meets that criteria, and they're interested in coming to hear your class, they'll know kind of what you're going to be talking about. Sure. Is premenstrual syndrome, and I'm sure, you know,
1: most women have heard PMS, um, and those are specific symptoms that happen before the period starts, and so in the case of PMS, Um, There can be three types of symptoms. Um, One type are the emotional symptoms. And I find that these are the ones a lot of people associate with PMS. You know, mood changes, um, feeling like you're just too moody, you can cry at the drop of a hat, or you're feeling like you might cry. Or that could swing the other way where people feel really irritable, angry, or even depressed. And so that's one piece of PMS. But there's also physical symptoms that, that are pretty common, so there can be um, swelling, bloating, abdominal bloating, where you feel like your clothes are too tight around the waistband, breast tenderness, breast swelling. Um, there can be um, headaches breakouts or acne, back pain, fatigue, muscle pain, um, and some other types of GI symptoms. Some people will get changes in their, in their stools. Um, and then there can be other types of behavioral symptoms. Like some people have more difficulty sleeping, they feel like they can't concentrate, they don't want to be around people, or they're craving certain foods that they know, you know, maybe aren't the types of foods that they want to eat a lot of, but um, they're really craving perhaps really salty foods or sweet or starchy foods. And so with PMS, any of those symptoms or, or all of them um, can occur, they're probably going to occur somewhere around three weeks into your cycle, so about a week before you expect your period bleeding to start. Um, And for PMS, the symptoms have to go away, you know, after your your bleeding starts. And that may not be for, you know, five or six days after your period started, but um, we only call it PMS if if the symptoms are cyclical. So they're worse before the period, and then they get better um, sometime after the period starts. And this is really common, um, you know, at least 80% of women report at least mild symptoms. So, you know, this is most of us have some type of symptoms that, that are worse premenstrually.
0: Yeah, I was just going to ask you, how many, how many women do you see that this is actually a debilitating issue for? Because like you said, a lot of women have, you know, one or two or some of these symptoms, mm-hmm. and we just kind of count it as normal. But... Um, and how many cases do you find that this is really interfering with a woman's quality of life? I would say probably about a
1: third of the time I see that. And oftentimes it's not the thing that brings people in to see me. Maybe it's something else. But as we're going through their history, you know, I'll find out that they've got all these symptoms. And, you know, about a third of the time they're, they're pretty debilitating. debilitating. Um, but I would say probably 80 or 90 percent of my patients have at least some of them. You know, a lot of people just assume that's normal. You're supposed to feel really bad. And I want people to know that that's not the case. I mean, you shouldn't feel bad every single month. And these symptoms are, are really pretty treatable. Um, so even if it's not the main thing people came in for, it's something that I'm always going to want to address. Um, now, in those people that have really severe symptoms, um, they typically know it, right? They, they might have trouble you know, going to work or with interpersonal relationships where, you know, in particular, if there's changes in behavior or mood, that can make it hard for them to kind of function normally. And so that might be the the main thing we choose to focus on. But um, again, even if the symptoms are really severe, um, I can say that we've always gotten them better um, and often gotten them um, almost not noticeable, which is fantastic.
0: That's great. Because, I mean, you think if you can even reduce them, you know, slightly so that a woman can have better quality of life, that's great. But I know herbal medicine really does an amazing job at helping to balance these kinds of things out. Now, you also are going to be teaching about something called PMDD. So what is that and how is that different than PMS? Yeah, so
1: PMDD stands for premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And so we can think of that as like really severe PMS. Um, it's less common, um, so somewhere around five to 20%, maybe probably, probably more like 10% of women have this really severe PMS type of disorder where it's really interfering with their life. And so um, for us to diagnose that clinically, we're looking for a couple of things. Um, one, we wanna make sure that the symptoms are so, so bad that they're actually interfering. So if someone you know, may have significant difficulty sleeping, for example, and that's gonna impact them. Um, there may be um, social withdrawal before their period, um, memory loss could be severe, or the mood changes could be severe enough so that it can be hard for them to, you know, to go about their daily life, whether that's work or school, you know, without, without some issues happening. And we're also wanting to make sure that those, those symptoms are cyclic and relate to the menstrual cycle, um, because there can be other types of mood disorders that appear um, that happen throughout the month and maybe that's not PMDD. Um, and then we wanna make sure that, um, you know, that it's, it's um, happening consistently. So we would look to see those severe type of PMS symptoms happening you know, at least two to three months in a row. Um, and certainly that that's the case, you know, for people that have this disorder. They know, you know, that this is going to happen every month. They, they dread it. You know, oftentimes uh, my patients can even describe to me, like, I know this is happening to me, like it's some kind of hormonal thing, but I just, I just can't stop myself from the way I feel, you know, because our hormones can, can take over. And so it's something that we really, that we really need to treat
0: absolutely addressed so that those people can get their lives back. Now, is this more prevalent in certain ages of women? No, not really. Um, as soon,
1: this, these symptoms can start happening as soon as um, a woman or a female hits, you know, their menarche when they start menstruating. Um, sometimes it takes a couple of years because those first couple of years when, when some people start menstruating there can be a lot of hormonal changes, but um, it's something that that typically happens, you know, pretty much when you start menstruating. Um, some women, if they get pregnant, um, they'll notice that their symptoms go away or change because, you know, they're not cycling and that can be um, fantastic for them. Some women kind of just expect to deal with it, you know, until they hit menopause, which, you know, seems horrible to me.
0: Absolutely. I know, Mike, my- Um, I have a daughter who experiences a lot of the symptoms that you were mentioning and I never did. So at the beginning she would tell me, uh, you know, about something and I kind of would blow it off because I never experienced Mm -hmm. it. And it wasn't until I walked in one day and found her really kind of huddled up on the floor sobbing that I went, okay, wait a minute. We've got to really pay attention to this. Um, And so we worked um, on some herbs and some other things. So, could you give us a little sneak peek of some of the things you're going to be talking about at the Southwest Herb Fest in terms of how you can how you work with a, a patient to treat PMS symptoms or lessen them? Is it all herbs, yeah. or are there dietary, lifestyle things as well?
1: We're going to talk about a bunch of things. Um, I mean, herbs, of course. It's an herb festival, and herbs are so effective at treating hormone imbalances in women and, and men too, of course. Um, so we'll talk about a lot of herbs, but we're also going to talk about diet. And there's some, some fairly easy diet changes to make and then some things that might be harder for people. So just peek things that, that could be easy or hard, depending on, on where you're at, is going vegetarian or almost vegetarian. It just plays such a tremendous normalizing role on hormones, um, probably for a couple of reasons. One is because if you're vegetarian and you're doing it well, you're eating a lot of vegetables and you're getting all those antioxidants and all those from the fruits and vegetables in and those really have a nice anti-inflammatory effect that definitely alter hormones um, in a beneficial way. And the other piece of that is that, you know, people that are eating a lot of meat you know, unfortunately, a lot of the meat that we get these days, you know, with our mass agriculture, um, especially red meat, you know, has some hormones in it because, you know, the cows are getting hormones, you know, the cows are living kind of a stressed life and some of those those chemicals are transmitted to us. Um, so, you know, people that are eating a lot of meat and at least reduce their meat, both or grass-fed meat when they can or switch to entirely vegetarian will notice a real significant difference in some of these symptoms. And that's pretty cool because that can be a healthy way to modify, you know, your, your diets for life. And I love treating people with, with medicine, with natural medicine, but I think it's even better if someone can find some kind of modification for their life where they don't even need medicine. You know, of course, oftentimes we want to give some herbs or some other support, especially as people are trying to work out how they're going to change their diet. And so we're going to talk about a lot of those herbs, um, as well as some other things like probiotics and um, the different circadian rhythm things that we can do that can affect our hormones and um, PMS and PMDD
0: as well. I love that you focus a lot on the nutrition and, and lifestyle types of modifications because I think as a, a society as, whole, as a whole, we tend, to, uh, we tend to have been programmed that food doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. And I think that we have to come back to a place where we realize that everything that we take in matters and how that food is um, feeding us, fueling us. Um, or is it creating issues? Um, and so I, you know, I look at the, the meat issue, for instance, and I believe that's probably a lot of the reason we see young girls, um, younger and younger, getting their first menstrual cycle now at, you know, eight years old, nine mm-hmm. years old. and I think so, too. Uh, it's it's really kind of crazy to me um, that we're not paying attention to this, and and not even just in our meat, but probably in our dairy as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and you know, there's a lot of hormones in plastic products that we,
1: you know, it's almost impossible to get away with get away from plastic products. And So, culture our hormones. In fact, there is some studies. Some of the hormones that, that are in the plastic products we commonly use and, you know, baby-type products like bottles and such um, don't only affect us, but they can affect up to four generations in the future. So, you know, me and my daughter and her daughter and her daughter's son, which is, you know, astounding. Wow how much will multiply and concentrate, you know, further down the line. Wow. That's fascinating. And, so, and we can control a lot of that. You know, you, you have to change your, your habits, but um, we can get a lot of those things out of our life. We know if we know that they're not good for us.
0: Right. I know I, I started switching all, I got rid started to get rid of all of the plastics in my kitchen and switch everything to glass. And at first, everybody in the house thought I was crazy, but it's becoming more and more normal. Right? <laughs> right. And now there's, you know, you
1: can find, you know, glass that doesn't break very easily. And it, it gets easier and easier as people get more aware of this issue. Right.
0: Well, I'm really glad that you're going to be teaching about this topic because I know that it does affect so many women. And they're going to be able to come to your class and get some real solid strategies for dealing with um, their premenstrual symptoms. And now, if if somebody wanted to contact you ahead of time, maybe they want to come in and have an appointment with you um, to get some personalized help. How could they contact you? Sure. So um, I'm going to go ahead and give out my email, which is k. Stage
1: at SCNM.edu. And SCNM stands for the Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine, and that's um, where I work as faculty. And you can also visit our website, um, www.scnm.edu, or type in Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine, and you can find my bio there as a faculty member or under the medical center as one of the
0: physicians. Great, because they could come right there to that medical center and see you, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, I thank you so much. And again, I'm really, really happy that you joined us for the Southwest Herb Fest. And um, for all of you listening, again, that's going to be held May 19th of 2018. Registration is open. And right now, through the end of February 2018, you can register at Early Bird Pricing. So make sure you go on and check that out if you're hearing this podcast before that time. And we'd love to have you spend the day with us there. And Dr. Stage, thank you again for coming on. Thank you for being a part of it. I always love to sit and talk with you. Um, and I'm just really happy that you're going to be there.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited for the Southwest Herb Fest. Um, we've needed something like this in, you know, northern Arizona. So thank you for starting this.
0: Oh, you're welcome. Well, I look forward to talking to you again. And for all of you listening, thank you again for tuning in. And we'll see you next time.